How we doing? Need some anything else I can wanna do a little sound checking? Any better? Check, check, check. We're having a few little issues with the Zoom settings today. Just trying to make sure that's going all right. We good? Okay. A little better? All right. All right. So I was sitting on my sister's bed at her home in San Diego almost a month ago. Mandy wasn't there. She was in Europe. But my husband, Jason, and I and our kids, we were spending some of our last days of summer break and of my sabbatical hanging out at their house in Southern California, keeping an eye on their two kids and many pets. And so from that space, I was taking a moment of quiet in the midst of this family chaos. And on my sister's bed, I opened my computer and I connected virtually with this woman who's been a particular kind of companion to me in recent months, my spiritual director. I'll call her Hannah. Sometimes our meetings are in her South Berkeley living room. Sometimes they're over FaceTime. And usually she opens our sessions with an invitation to God to be present with us. And we sit in a kind of contemplative silence for however long we need to. A silence in which I often begin to send some sort of word or picture or an idea that feels particularly resonant to my heart. And as I speak those things out, generally a rich conversation follows. And I have a sense of the spirit sweetly present in what's being considered. Well, that day, sitting on the bed during my last days of sabbatical, the word that came to my mind to ponder was return. Now, on a surface level, that word makes perfect sense. I'd been away from the work here of Haven, away from the day-to-day -day connections with all of you, away from emails and texts and meetings and Sunday services for almost 12 weeks, for nearly 12 weeks. My phone had been strangely quiet, my inbox fairly empty. I'd kept busy during much of the time. I ended up taking six trips in 12 weeks, but um, all of those activities and travels were largely disconnected from all of y'all. And so I was preparing to return to Haven. It made sense that word would be on my mind. And I considered it with Hannah, frankly, with a mix of feelings. I looked forward to coming back, I did. I looked forward to being here with all of you, but I also felt guarded and cautious, wary and protective of something precious I didn't wanna lose. So as we mused about this theme of return and my feelings around it, Hannah reflected back to me what I think was a wise observation as she often does. In a sense, she said, it seems like return has been the theme of your whole sabbatical. And when she spoke the words, they rung of a kind of truth, a truth that I hadn't been quite able to name myself, but I think framed well what I had experienced over those last 12 weeks of sabbatical life. Well, it's now been about three weeks since I have returned to the space of Haven. 
And in that time, I've been getting up to speed on what I've missed. I've been in conversations with Jeannie and Ginny and other leaders who faithfully cared for this community during my 12 weeks away. I was here two weeks ago, primarily listening to folks in this space share some of the observations from the summer. I've gone back and read all the emails that Jeannie sent out each week uh, to get a sense of all the things you were up to. I've listened to each of the beautiful teachings that were given during the four services I missed. I heard Jeannie kick off the summer talking about liberating spirituality. And then that theme continue in different ways through the messages that came from other powerful speakers, from Sylvia sharing some of her journey Deborah bringing a powerful call to the work of reparations. Aiden sharing his amazing personal story. Liberating spirituality seems to have been a thread that's been woven throughout these messages from each of these distinctive voices. And so it feels fitting that today we might kind of close out the summer series and, and pivot a little as I share some of my own observance of where I've found some liberating spirituality in this season of sabbatical. And my hope in sharing these, these reflections is not simply to like report my own experiences, um, but also to invite each of us to consider how might we experience freedom? How might we experience liberation through the act of returning? What does a liberating return look like? Now, the theme of returning is one that appears throughout our sacred texts. The Bible's full of stories of people journeying off and then coming back, returning. In the Hebrew Bible, much of the work of the prophets is the work of the divine calling their people to return to them. Return to me, says the voice of God in Zechariah. I will return to you. In Isaiah, God calls their people to return from rebellion to restoration with their creator. I have made you, God is saying. You are my servant, Israel. I will not forget you. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And again, in some of the last words of the Hebrew Bible, we have the prophet Malachi speaking for the divine, saying once again, return to me. I will return to you. It's an ongoing theme. And of course, we see it in the narrative arc as well, right? The Hebrew Bible, we see this, this, this play an important role. Remember Deborah telling us the story of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob traveling to Egypt. And then there was the famine in the land of Canaan. And then centuries later, after they've multiplied, after they've become enslaved by the Egyptians, Yahweh calls Moses to work with the divine to deliver the Hebrew people from under Pharaoh's thumb and return them to the land. Centuries later, when the people of Yahweh are not living into the purposes of the divine, they experienced separation. They're taken from the promised land, carried off to Babylon, exile. And then decades after that, the people of Judah are invited to return to the land and be restored. I think there's even an argument to be made that Jesus's whole ministry is a part of this kind of dual returning. Return to me, I return to you. He's calling people to return to the divine presence. And he's also demonstrating through his own contact and intimacy, his 
words, his actions that bring healing and life, that God is here right now returning to you. Jesus is enacting that promise. Return to me. I will return to you. But not all acts of returning, I think, are liberating. Even in the Bible. I mean, think about Jesus returning to the synagogue of his youth. At that time, there to preach as a rabbi, ushering in this God's liberation. That return did not go so well. They wanted to, like, throw him off a cliff, causing Jesus to declare no prophets accepted in his own town. So when we talk about finding freedom through returning, it matters who and what we're returning to. Does that make sense? When when we're talking about finding freedom through a return, it matters who and what we're returning to. So today I'm just going to kick off this meditation on the liberating practice of return. And we're going to continue it over three teachings. I actually started thinking this was one. And as I started working on it, I realized, no, I think this is like three. Okay, so I'm going to be sharing with you three returns that have been a part of my sabbatical experience. Um, And I share them as I invite you to consider how these three returns might also be liberating for you. And so the first one of the three we're going to consider today, I'm calling the return to self. The return to self. So during my sabbatical, especially the early weeks while the kids were in school, I had more space for personal alone time than I've had in a long time. Certainly any time in the last 16 years that I've been a parent, I had space for quiet, for reflection, just for the sake of reflection, not for the sake of generating content, which if you're a content generator in any way, it's, there's a measurable difference. Mm, I had room to listen just to myself, attend to my own needs mentally, emotionally, physically. I was more intentional about exercise in this season. So like allowing my workouts to not just be like another burdensome task I was checking off the to-do list, but like a space for actually noticing my physicality, noticing what parts of my body had become a bit soft, what parts were becoming stronger as I attended to them. I took two solo trips in the first month of the sabbatical, two retreats that were just for me and for my needs. So one of them I'll tell you more about next time. It was a trip to Iowa City where I, um, where I had lived for five formative years. I went and visited my dear friend and pastoral mentor, who some of you know, A.D. Wasink. It was a great time of reconnection. I'll tell you about it more later. But the second trip, that was the trip that was really about returning to self. In early June, I had the opportunity to venture out completely alone, This was the silent retreat I referred to a little bit a couple weeks ago. Like Aiden, who was the guest speaker here in in July, I actually went to the same place. Um, I had time at the new Kamaldi Hermitage Retreat Center in Big Sur. And honestly, y'all, it's a special place. I highly recommend. For nearly three days, I was alone in in beautiful surroundings. I had a modest little cottage to myself on a mountainside facing the ocean alongside other modest little cottages of other retreat people. I shared only a few words with anyone else the whole time, but I had the chance to go and listen to the monks chant every evening. I learned a bit about chanting with them. I meditated 
alongside others in silence in the floor of their beautiful chapel. I took a hike through the stunning landscape, sat for hours on a porch overlooking the ocean, listening to the sound of the tide mixed with the chorus of birds surrounding me. It was quite absorbing. And in all of these opportunities for open space in the retreat, just at home, I came to learn some things. I came to recognize that returning to self means returning to the part of myself that really is at the core of me. Not the ego that's on my exterior, but the deeper essence of who I am. Before the sabbatical, I spoke to you of the wisdom of the Enneagram, which is a personal typology, and how as an Enneagram 3, I tend to be focused on what I'm producing, how I'm performing, and that is certainly a part of myself, to attend to my productivity, what I'm putting out there, but that's not the core of who I am. And after years of grinding to start this community and be the primary on-call parent at the same time, I had lost touch with my, much of myself that was beneath the surface. Going into the sabbatical, honestly, I was a bit nervous about what I'd find there. Like, would there be any depth to connect with? In fact, I learned I like myself more than I thought. <laughs> and I like being with me, <laughs> which honestly, I'm not sure I could have said that a few months ago. I learned that even as an extrovert, I appreciate solitude. And I like really need it. <laughs> and I need space to allow my introverted side to come out. I learned in a deeper way than I've experienced before that a return to self is not counter to a return to God. To turn from the outer ego self and return to my essence, my core, is also to return to the sacred place of spiritual encounter. This is a truth that mystics from across the spiritual spectrum Eastern and Western traditions seem to acknowledge. In our own tradition, the medieval um, mystics are, are big fans of this, this concept and have been preaching it for centuries. We just haven't always listened well. The Catholic Spanish nun Teresa of Avila wrote famously of an interior castle, a kind of crystal palace within our own selves that she encouraged her followers to journey into with a hope and expectation that in the innermost chambers, one has the clearest encounters with God. Another mystic from that era named Meister Eckhart said it in this way, there is a place in the soul that neither time nor space nor no created thing can touch. During these weeks away, I had a chance to reconnect, to return to that sacred place and in that space, sense that I was not alone, but that the one who has accompanied me through this winding journey of life and ministry does remain with me still. Experiencing this kind of dual return, the return to self and the return to source, made me think about the life of Jesus in a bit of a different way. 
The Gospels tell stories of Jesus withdrawing into the wilderness regularly to be alone, to pray. When he's baptized at the beginning of his ministry, the story is the spirit descends on him like a dove. The divine presence is palpable, even visible. And the first thing Jesus does coming out of the water is to withdraw to the wilderness, to wander for 40 days on his own. Each of the gospel writers uh, makes note that it is the spirit's presence that seems to compel Jesus into the wilderness. Now, when I would read these stories about Jesus spending all this time alone in prayer and spiritual practice, sometimes, frankly, I would be like, wow, discipline. This dude has it. Dedication. What a guru. He can spend 40 days praying and fasting in the middle of temptation in the desert. Respect. Other places in the Gospels, we see Jesus withdraw as well. Sometimes he's getting up in the wee hours of the morning to be alone. Sometimes he's heading out and praying all night. And it's like, wow, okay, you are a spiritual leader for a reason. Good on you. I don't know if I got that in me, if I'm going to be honest. But having my own fresh experiences of encounter in the quiet, I don't know. I feel like I see those stories a bit differently. Yes. There's still discipline and practice to be respected, but there's also like a sense of, I think he got something that I maybe haven't always gotten. The wisdom of understanding that the return to self and the return to source are deeply satisfying in and of themselves. It's not about like doing the duty, doing your good religious deed. It's about noticing a deeper thirst and allowing it to be quenched. And that makes me wonder. I mean, if there's any truth to this story that Jesus had some sort of unique understanding of what it meant to be one with the divine, having come from God himself, maybe he understood in a unique way what it would mean to return to connection with source. I wonder if that taste of God's presence that the scripture calls the Holy Spirit awakened in him a memory of what it was like to feel deeply connected to the divine and that memory and that longing to return to self and source. That was what compelled him into the wilderness. That was what sustained him through any temptation, any tempter would try to throw his way. For myself, I've noticed that being centered more deeply in self and source makes it harder for me to be tempted, for me to be baited. In recent years, throughout the era of Trump and COVID and life stress, to be honest, I have felt more reactionary, more prone to distress, more quick-tempered, more unsettled, by the headlines in my newsfeed, or by the sharp words coming at me from a family member. But after a month or so of more regularly engaging my deeper self, I started to notice something subtle seemed to shift. I'm not saying I never get hooked, but I wasn't feeling so easily activated. It wasn't that I was numb either to things that were happening, 
it's just that they didn't feel so overpowering. I feel like I could hold them. Even circumstances that were deeply distressing, but hold it as part of a bigger reality in which there is also goodness and beauty. These discoveries about my return to self didn't just happen on their own, and they weren't just an immediate consequence from taking a break from work. During the sabbatical, I was able to identify and engage regularly some particular practices that I've come to find help for me foster this return to self and spirit. So first and foremost, I mean, I think there is something about time, right? The gift of protected time of rest from labor, that certainly was important. It turns out there really is wisdom in the rhythm of a Sabbath, not to control us, right? That how way that Jesus was like, you know, the Sabbath is for us, not us for it. We, we aren't to be controlled by it, but it's here to free us, to liberate us from the control of work. Coming out of this protected time, I feel myself deeply, I feel deeply the importance of honoring regular rhythms of work and rest in a way that, frankly, I haven't done a great job of doing in the past. So going forward, I'm naming to myself, I'm naming to all of you, I intend to keep a regular weekly Sabbath more strictly than I have in the past. This is something I've tried to do before, but I haven't engaged it with a lot of protection or seriousness. I have often kind of sacrificed my Sabbath thinking that was a good thing to do um, if something even that seemed moderately important came up. But going forward, I feel the vitality of prioritizing this, not only for myself, but so that I can be the person I want to be with all of you when I am present. So on Mondays, I'm not going to be answering any emails. I'm not going to be responding to texts or scheduling appointments. Please don't take it personally. If you send me something, that's fine. I'll get back to you on Tuesday. Uh, I'm just trying to protect this sacred space of rest so that I can come back. I can return here and still hold on to that learning that I experienced. And I hope whatever your rhythm is, you might find similar spaces of rest to protect for yourself too. Within that Sabbath space, I found a few things to be extra helpful. One of them I named already, solitude, alone time. I recognize I need spaces to think and feel deeply. Solitude helps me with that kind of contemplation. And, and that can look different ways. Sometimes it looks like meditation or, or study or prayer. Sometimes it looks like reading a novel, watching a show, playing solitaire on my phone. I think all of it is helpful. I've touched on some of the other practices that have been especially life-giving, but I'll name them. Um, spiritual direction has been a gift. As I've regularly had the partnership of a companion who's outside of my daily grind, somebody who can accompany me in discerning the presence of the divine in my life, what is happening in my inner self? I know many of us find therapy to play a similar role in our lives. Journaling has been a really fruitful practice I've recover recovered in recent months. I've come to really appreciate a place to externally process without the concern of how anyone else will hear my processing or whether I need to edit it in any way. Finding spaces to be creative, 
put my hands and heart toward cultivating something beautiful, whether it's painting my house, I did a lot of that, working in my yard, cooking interesting meals, playing my guitar, all of those have helped deepen my connection to my inner self. And finally, regular physical movement has been helpful in connecting my mind and spirit to my body, helping me recognize that these are multiple components that make up Leah, and I feel most in touch with my inner self when I attend to and care for all of them. Now, none of this is like big revelation in some ways. I recognize I'm naming this stuff that's like, yeah, we all know that this should be helpful. But I think I'm just naming for myself. It's, 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 it's moving from the knowing to the doing, right? That makes the real impact. And I, I, I've experienced that in a real way. And I, I recognize that I've had the gift of being able to experience that because of all of you and the gift of sabbatical. In all of these things, I've come to recognize the truth that I'm not doing anyone any favors by neglecting my own needs. I think it's easy in our culture to talk about self-care in a kind of trite way that often favors capitalism, encourages us to buy our way out of depression or stress, but the care of self isn't something we can outsource to our credit card. Amen? The care of self is not something we can outsource to our credit card. The care of self requires attending to the quiet places within us with compassion and love and asking, what do you need? What are you longing for? What wisdom do you have for me today? The care of self also means being willing to move with whatever it is we hear when we ask. Friends, if it was in my power, I would give each and every one of you a sabbatical. I really would. And while I can't quite make that a reality, I can extend to you an invitation that I believe is from the heart of God herself to find your spaces of return to self. If you resonate with that experience of living more out of your ego than out of your depth, of feeling more reactive than attentive, what might be a habit you might shift? What might be the practice you could engage to experience your own return to self and to source? I invite you to be considering these questions today and and processing the bit in our, when we have some discussion time in a moment. And I also offer the hope and prayer that Haven might be a place that's just one part of that returning for each of us. That in much of what we do, we wouldn't be coming together to gather just for gathering's sake or out of some sense of duty or obligation, but that as we gather, at times we might practice together listening to the call from the heart of our interior castle alongside one another, journeying within. So as we end this time this morning, I wanna end by inviting us to do a little bit together alongside one another of what I've been describing. To take some time this morning to intentionally return to ourselves and return to the sacred place of encounter with our source. Before we move into a time of conversation, 
I'm going to lead us through an exercise that I hope might be helpful, a helpful starting place for some return to self, if that's something you recognize you'd appreciate. So if that's the case, we're going to go ahead and, and move into this little meditative experience, what one might call an embodied prayer. So I'm going to invite you to try to get as comfortable as you can in whatever seat you have. And I'm going to invite you as we start, we enter in this kind of meditative space, to just draw your attention to your breath. Close your eyes if you like. It's up to you. Soften the focus of your gaze so you can attend to your breathing. And move with your breath in and out and focus on deepening and slowing the pattern of your breathing. Now I'm going to invite you to check in with each part of your body. We're going to start with the top of your head. Allow your awareness to focus on any sensations you notice at the top of your head. Whether it feels tense, whether it feels relaxed, whether you feel something, some sense of pressure or not. Notice what you feel at the top of your head. And then I'm going to invite you to allow your awareness to just slowly scan your body going down, moving into your face. And you're going to keep going at whatever pace feels right for you, all the way down your body, just noticing, checking in at each space. And after you've scanned your body, I'm going to invite you to notice a particular part of your body that might be calling to your attention. What part of you seems to call back your noticing? And if some part of you has come to mind that you seem to be more aware of than the other spaces in your body, I invite you to listen to that space for whatever feeling feels connected. Is there an emotion, 
that feels connected to what that body, what that part of your body is, is, is happening, what's happening there right now. if you feel like you've connected with some sense of feeling or emotion, well, first I'll say if you haven't, that's okay. Feel free to just listen and connect in whatever way is helpful. But if you feel like you've identified an emotion or feeling that it feels connected to a particular part of your body right now, I invite you to now consider what might the story about that feeling be? Is there a phrase, is there a picture that kind of helps narrativize what that feeling's about? It could be a sentence, it could be an image, something that gives a little context to what you're feeling. Finally, I'm going to invite you to open your awareness a bit bigger and invite in or, or become aware of your source, however you want to name that, the divine, God, mama, the spirit, Jesus, whatever is helpful for you to connect with. And consider the question, how might this source be speaking to you through this feeling? and its story. God, we thank you that you are the source that is within. That though it can be helpful sometimes to climb the mountain or to sit by the ocean, to connect, ultimately all we really need to do is turn within to find the spaces of encounter. I thank you for the gift I've received of returning to self. And I pray for each and every one of my friends here. They might taste a bit of that same invitation to return and to find source, to find strength, to find hope, to find freedom and liberation as they return. Thank you for the moments of knowing. May we hold them well. Amen.